it's the next level. Sorry, am I interrupting? Ellie tells me that you're not willing to reveal where the rest of your squad is? Why would I do that? So you can kill them too? We didn't start this, friend. Your people attacked us. You come to our island to run your tests, you fire on us, and what? You expect us not to defend I don't ourselves? Know about that. We are scientists. So what, so they sent you here to recover? You mean our hydrogen bomb? Then yes. And I'm guessing from this man's radiation burns that the housing has been compromised. Is that right? You need to listen to me. You have an unstable device that's capable of destroying this entire island, and it's broken. If you don't allow me to render it inert, all of us are going to die. All of us. How do I know you weren't sent here on some suicide mission? I'll take you out to the bomb. You'll just detonate it. Because I'm in love with the woman sitting next to me. And I would never... I'd never do anything to her. Bomb, but you try anything else and you will hurt her. Welcome to another episode of We Have to Go Back Lost Revisited as we continue with our coverage of season five of the series. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week we move forward with our discussion of season five, episode three, Jughead. So, you know, we're going to be talking about Archie Comics mostly. Betty, Veronica, Riverdale. Yeah. Luke Perry. Oh, uh, rest in peace. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> See, I've already bummed us out. <laughs> Skeet, Skeet Ulrich and uh, or no, wait, is Ske- oh yeah, Skeet is in that show. I can't remember. I only I've never seen Riverdale. Se- I only watched the first season. It was decent. It was it was a decent show. Um, we missed a week last week, uh, which uh, we were we were on a roll uh, going weekly for a couple of weeks. We missed a week last week, but you know, um, it wasn't due to laziness. Nope. Or anything like that. It was for good reason. Yep. Uh, I. It's up to you if you want to say why. Uh no. Uh, but we did have we did have bathroom uh contractors in our house, and yes. there was a lot of um hammering noise. and noise, and it didn't finish until Monday of this week. So, so we're here. Noisy construction makes for poor podcasting. I could I couldn't even do like my regular work meetings. Everything was by email last week. And they're like, can we call? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So we unfortunately due to, you know, due to that, we just uh, we just couldn't podcast last week. It was just it wasn't in the cards because you would have been hearing all that in the in the background. 
So, uh, but that's fine. It's it's absolutely fine. We're we're still in the beginning of season five, so it's not like we got into anything. We weren't stuck in the middle of anything too heavy. No, we um, just finished the premiere, the two episode premiere. Yeah, I mean, we and had now, to take a break after that. It was so dramatic. I know. <laughs> and now we're get, and now we're getting into. Now we're starting to getting getting into some of the interesting stuff of season five. Well, we're I'm excited because Desmond is actually going to Oxford. <laughs> in this episode. Well, he went. To, yeah, that's, that's right. You were like, why isn't he going to Oxford? I know the whole next episode was like, no, Desmond. And I'm like, come on. <laughs> but I loved like one of the things I loved watching this episode is that uh, there's there's something very under under the radar happening with these characters that we don't find out about until a little bit later, which I'm sure we'll mention because, you know, this this is a spoiler full podcast. Just so you're aware, we're going to talk about stuff that happened not only in the past, but stuff that has yet to happen in the future. So if you're watching for the first time, we apologize for any spoilers that we're going to give you. But you have been warned uh, because we we meet a particular character's parents in this episode. Yeah, we do. Which is awesome because we knew it was coming, but I didn't think it was happening this early on in the series or in the season. So we'll talk about that later because there was there. Yeah, because there was um, there's a whole bunch that. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I can speak in full sentences. I'm real good uh, at it. So why don't we just get into it? Uh, okay. We'll we'll dive into it. And, you know, I really feel like. The, the only I think it, it's just appropriate to start the conversation with the way the, the episode starts. Sure. And that's pregnant Penny. You know, this is something we we didn't know about the, because they haven't really revealed it at any point. We know that Desmond and Penny obviously get back together with the rescue. But we see, you know, it starts with Desmond in a frantic panic to find the doctor take the doctor back to wherever they're living with Penny and Penny's giving birth to their son, appropriately named Charlie. Appropriately named Charlie and also rather inappropriately named because Penny's father's name is Charles. Oh, oh, yeah, you're right. And she wants nothing to do with her father. So I'm sure that that, I mean, like, you know, these are fictional characters. I don't care. But I, I would like to see a scene of them actually arguing about this. <laughs> Over the name of the baby. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, Desmond wants to name him Charlie in, you know, honor of Charlie. Mm-hmm. And who, if not for Charlie, they would have never been reconnected. Correct. You know, but yeah. But I mean, Charlie is also sh- short for Charles, which is the name of Penny's father. Who yeah. tried to basically kill everybody you know, including yeah. Desmond. Well, and probably had a hand in killing Charlie. Um, I don't, I guess loosely. Yeah. Uh, Cause he, I mean, Charles Whitmore does definitely have a hand in a lot more things than we know as of yet. Yeah. Right. So, well, we find out that he's funding things and uh, we also find out that, Good old Charles Woodmore uh, has a past with the island. Oh, yes. he A very does. young past. <laughs> uh, which, you know what? Like, if we're just going to jump to that now, like, I knew, we've talked about it before. Like, we knew that Charles Whitmore was on the island before. 
Uh, but it kind of, and I, we know as people who have watched the series before who Ellie is, but it kind of threw me for a second, even though I knew how it was. But when Richard says, um, you know, when, when he's, when John Locke comes wandering into the camp and that guy has the gun pointed at John, you know, when, when Richard says, put the gun down Whitmore, I kind of threw me for a second. I was like, Oh, that's right. I'm like, I forgot that guy right there was Whitmore. I love John Locke's reaction too. Cause he goes, you're Charles Whitmore. <laughs> he's <laughs> like, he's like, yeah. Do, do we know each other? <laughs> sure. <laughs> John has a number of, he's got one or two moments in this episode that really, that really get me. Like at one point when he's talking to Juliet and, you know, they're mentioning Richard and John's like, how old is he? <laughs> <laughs> Juliet's like, he's old. Yeah. They're older than, older than you think. Old, yeah. Or older than you know, something like that. Yeah. Uh, preparing for this episode, I actually did like a nice little dive on Richard and his history and, um, and just like trying to refresh my memory on Richard because you know, I've tried not to do that yet, but since we're now we're in season five and we're going to, and we're doing this time hopping and the skipping and we're getting more questions about Richard, just, you know, I wanted to keep that in line, but we could go back to the opening because I, I loved the opening scene of this episode because you see Desmond and he's running in a panic, but he's running through like this obvious fisherman's town. Mm -hmm. And so the last time we see him, we think, he's going to Oxford. So he's running in a panic and he's looking for a doctor and you're like, what on earth is going on right now? And then I liked it that this wasn't something that was um, horrifying. I'm glad that it yeah. was, it was happy. It was Penny and Desmond are getting their happy ending. They're getting their baby. They're they're They have their life. They're married. They have their boat. Um, and I like seeing the glimpse of what that really looks like. You know, we, we travel forward three years and we see him with, um, his son on the boat and he's talking about, you know, great Britain and he's talking, you know, and he's talking about an Island that he used to live in a long time ago. And of course, as a viewer, you think that he's talking about the Island. No, yeah. he's talking about, the UK. Yeah. Yeah. His home. And I love Scotland, it. Yeah. yeah. And it was just, um, it was nice to see them happy and settled. And I'm sure that I'm sure that Desmond waking up with the quote unquote memory of Daniel Faraday saying, I need you to go to Oxford was just as traumatic as we would expect it to be. If your life is going finally exactly the way that you want it to go. And then you're dragged back into this traumatic past that you thought you left. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have to imagine that the moment that he had the memory when he woke up with the memory and he, you know, he tells Penny, I have to go to Oxford is shortly before that moment on the boat with Charlie. <laughs> so the opening scene is, is a flashback technically to Desmond's life, even though it's, it's him off the island. It's still a flashback to present day, uh, which was him going back to to the UK via mm -hmm. the sailboat. And I love the fact that, you know, it's a sailboat that was the reason why he ended up on the island. But he's still back to sailing. Um, I mean, but it's also it's also really convenient when you think they want to stay off the radar, especially the Charles Whitmore. 
which means you can't fly because planes have manifests, so you can very easily be tracked uh, without having to change your identity or anything like that. So yeah, sailing into the UK makes complete sense for people who are staying off the radar. Well, but on the other side of the coin, I don't think that Desmond was very surprised to know that Charles Woodmore knew exactly where they were, knew exactly who that he had a grandson, um, you know, and he, but then at the end he says, just keep her safe or keep her away from here. Something like that. What did he say? Uh, at the end of their scene together. I don't remember the exact words, but you summed it up pretty good. I mean, it was basically he he wanted he wanted Desmond. He was happy to give Desmond the information he needed if it meant keeping Penny safe, keeping his daughter safe. You know, because he probably still has intentions of doing bad things and doesn't want Penny wrapped up in it. Oh, yeah. This is what he says. He Woodmore ends the conversation with a warning that his business has been going on for many, many years and begs Desmond to keep himself and Penny out of it and safe by going back into hiding. So, you know, you kind of get a a different feeling maybe about Charles Woodmore because, I mean, he's not accepting Desmond by any stretch, but he is trusting him to keep his family safe. Well, I think this is probably, if if you look at the timeline, I think this is probably also past the point that Ben has paid Charles Whitmore a visit. So it's 2007. Okay. And I think, I think Ben arrives in 2005. So I'm, I'm pretty sure probably Ben has paid Whitmore a visit at this point. You mean so, his trip to like the Sahara or whatever when he went through the. Yeah. 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 So I, I think that moment that we saw early on with Ben standing in Charles Whitmore's bedroom has already happened. Yes. So, yes. So now Charles knows that Ben is out there and he wants to keep Penny safe. Well, and Ben has had Saeed for what, two years now mm-hmm. assassinating people well, on a list that, well not only that but ben specifically tells charles whitmore like you killed my daughter i'm coming after yours right so yeah charles is going to keep he's going to do everything he can including use desmond to try and keep penny safe you know so he happily gave him the information he needed if it meant keeping desmond would keep penny away and and desmond had every intention of keeping that promise until Ben gets involved, which we haven't gotten to yet. So are we to understand that they're going to sail a boat from from uh, England to Los Angeles? Uh, I guess. I mean, you'd get to Jersey before you get to L.A. Well, OK. But, and boats like that are not meant for a trip like that. Yes, that that's kind of my point. Yeah. So. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just kind of like one of those things that they just kind of gloss over and be like, okay, he flew. Well, I mean, let's not forget, too, the reason probably why he sailed into Great Britain was because he wanted to stay off of Whitmore's radar. Right. But now Whitmore's the one that gave him the information where to go. They don't have to worry about staying off his radar now. Yeah, but I think that he was he I think that they never left his radar. I think they never left his radar, but they thought they did. I don't know why on earth they would underestimate Charles Woodmore like that. 
I mean, even when, because when you go back to the very first episode of this season, Penny is telling the Oceanic Six, you don't understand. You don't understand my father. We have to have this ironclad. We have to do it this way. So Penny obviously knows that her father is a very powerful and resourceful man. So it seems to me that it would be, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Naive to think that that he doesn't know oh yeah that that's his daughter yeah i you're probably right i mean you're it, it is very naive to not realize that her father like that your father already knows where you're at you had a child like and and he makes that known to desmond mm-hmm. that he knows about the child and everything so <laughs> you named him after me screw you no i didn't <laughs> Um, I want to say too, one of the other things I really loved about that scene with Desmond and Charlie on the boat talking about returning to Great Britain, uh, it was very reminiscent of another scene from a movie that I absolutely love. Um, it made me want to watch a Knight's Tale. I love that movie because there is a scene where they're, where, you know, Heath Ledger and Alan Tudyk and Mark Addy are all sitting on the boat reminiscing about the last time they were in London. Yeah. As they're going to London. Yeah. Um, and I, for some reason, watching that scene with Desmond and Charlie made me really, it made me think of that scene in A Knight's Tale. And I was like, man, a now Knight's I want to watch Tale? A Knight's Tale. A Knight's Tale is one of my all-time favorite movies. It is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time. I love that movie so much. And it's such a, like, almost goofy type of movie to love. But it's just, it's got everything in it. I I am a huge fan of like Arthurian lore and knights like and stuff like that. So I well, remember Paul Bettany is amazing in it. Yes, Alan Tudyk yeah. is amazing in it. Alan Tudyk Robert is Baratheon amazing. is amazing in it because I. <laughs> um, <laughs> I Alan Tudyk is amazing in everything that he's in. Um, James Purfoy is in it as um, he's Sir Colville. Um, that movie. It's one of those movies that, like, I remember seeing the trailer for it, and being like, oh, it's a movie about knights. And then like hearing like Bowie, I'm like, that's not music from that time. Like, what is it? Like, we so will rock you. And I'm awesome. like, yeah. And then I just remember going to theaters to watch it and being like, this movie's effing amazing. Like, I, I know. Why did I doubt this movie at all? So my best friend and I, we have we will we have this thing that because we saw the movie together when we were, you know, however old we were when it came out. But every once in a while, we'll look at each other. We're like, it's called a lance. Hello. Hello. <laughs> so I know we're getting I know we're getting off topic, too. But when um, uh, when Wayward Pines, which is an M. Night Shyamalan movie, was on Fox, um, Shannon Sossaman, who played Jocelyn in A Knight's Tale. I thought she was going to explode after that movie. And, and you like never see her. I didn't see her again until until Wayward Pines. So when Fox reached out to me and said, do you want to interview Shannon Sossaman to promote Wayward Pines? I was like, yes, like, please, like, did you her my way? Oh, I did. Yeah. Um, so I had her on the podcast and at one point, like we, we talked about Wayward Pines and we promoted Wayward Pines. And you talk about that, Knight's Tale before that interview was over. I was like, I, I, I would be remiss. I'm like, is it before we wrap this up? Can we talk about a Knight's Tale? And she's like, please. Yeah. She's like, absolutely. We could talk about a Knight's Tale. She loved doing that movie. Who wouldn't? That cast was amazing. Yeah. 
so yeah, so I actually got to talk to Jocelyn from a Night's Tale oh. on the the Spotlight podcast, which it's still up. I mean, if you oh no, I'm gonna to- I'm gonna go listen to it. I'm gonna yeah. definitely listen. I gotta paint a wall today, so I'm going to listen to it yeah. while I paint a wall. It's it's still in the feed for the Spotlight because I don't take any of them down. So every okay. I still had a podcasting partner at that. Was time. she delightful? She was amazing. She was delightful. So, I feel like she would be delightful. Wow, we got off topic. I'm so sorry, listeners, oh, but A Knight's Tale, <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. If somebody says it, it's like that movie National Treasure. Like if I see that it's on, <laughs> I have I'll to watch it. it till the end. Like <laughs> I'm I'm the same exact way. And yeah, A Knight's Tale is another one of those movies that just I'm probably going to end up watching it while I'm editing this episode. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Just because we're talking about it. It's called a lance. Hello. (laughs) Put that on your soundboard. (laughs) I will fong you. (laughs) Pain. Lots of pain. Lots of pain. (laughs) I I love Alan Tudor so much. (laughs) He... I'm so happy that, I mean, it was my recommendation for a couple of weeks in a row. I'm so happy he finally got a lead role in a series with Resident Alien. Oh my Resident gosh, and Alien. he's so, it's so, it, that's, that show's great. It's, it's so good. Nice and light. Um, what else do you want to talk about with Lost? Yeah, let's get back to Lost. So let's talk about the, uh, the group that's, you know, time traveling on the island, you know, with Miles and Sawyer and Juliet. Because uh, we get more quote unquote, quote, red shirts in this no, episode. one of them's wearing a black and white shirt. Well, I don't think any of them were actually wearing red shirts, but that's why I said quote unquote red shirt this time. Um, because they're expendable characters. Like you need to get rid of more characters and narrow down the cast. That's how you do it. You just put a random claymore mine um in the woods. Well, it's not random. We know why it's there. But you know, Miles sees it, he sees the tripwire. He's a little late in his warning, and you know one of the few f- survivors left trips it, and everybody who's pretty much not one of the main characters is blown into the rip. And now we're down. I think at this point we're pretty much down to the main cast. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there are any expendable characters left at this point. Which is which sucks because now we're going to lose actual characters and one of them is hinted at at the end of this episode it's how the episode ends yeah i know and you know i uh, i never really warmed up to charlotte anyways um but the way that they wrote her character out and the way that they they did her death is is one of the more heartbreaking deaths of the series um, which says a lot about the actress in the writing because she just wasn't likable for so long. But then the way that um, the way that Daniel Faraday cared for her and the way that she softened as a result to that, that and then ultimately leading to her death, it's beautifully written and it's beautifully acted. And, and, and you really feel for it um, in every single episode as you see her getting worse and worse, including yeah. the end of this episode. And it's huge for Daniel's character, too. I mean, because mm-hmm. there's a big revelation in this character when he's confronted by Richard, you know, about the Jughead hydrogen bomb, you know, and he's like, well, how do I know you're not on some kind of suicide mission? And that's when Daniel pretty much says, like, when well, you see this woman here, like, I'm in love with her. Like, and I wouldn't let anything happen to her. And you can tell right then and there, like, Richard is good at reading people 
I mean, it's one of the, his best traits. And he's he, very old. Yeah, he is. And he looks at Daniel and he doesn't have to question it. Mm-hmm. You know, he can look at Daniel and be like, okay, I like you're telling the truth. Like I can see it. He doesn't question Daniel one bit because he knows. Yeah. You can see it all over Daniel's face. He's in, he's in love with Charlotte, you know, and even Charlotte and even him making that admission to Charlotte too, with Charlotte saying like, you didn't have to say that. And he's like, I meant every word of it, you know? So, and then we get to that point at the end of the episode where, you know, after they time jump again, and he sees Charlotte goes over to check on her, make sure she's okay. She looks fine. And that's very short lived, mm-hmm. you know, where she, her nose starts bleeding and she kind of goes into convulsions and she drops. And unfortunately, if I remember correctly, next episode is, I think Charlotte's time is up. Oh yeah. And it's, and it's, oh, gosh, it's just such a sad death. It's it really, it's one of the most heartbreaking ones for me, just because she's talking, oh, she's talking like she's transported to being a little girl, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that because she's skipping so much, she probably is in that memory when she finally does die. Her consciousness is definitely, yeah, it's definitely, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's like, we've seen now what, like we've gotten used to what not having a constant and not understanding what's going on with the time skipping um, can do to a person's uh, brain can do to their uh, well, let's not, consciousness. Let's, well, let's not forget too. We also meet Teresa this episode, who, which is basically a setup for what's about to happen to Charlotte. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, Teresa's consciousness is jumping all through time. Uh, when, you know, when, um, when Desmond goes to visit Teresa and, you know, Teresa's sister says like, you know, yesterday she was, asking for her dolly when she was three years old the other day she was talking to our father who died five years ago like but desmond understood what was going on well because he had also met daniel before and eloise the rat and he also experienced the doc uh the scientist i can't i can't remember the the guy from short circuit (laughs) um on the boat (laughs) yes i know who you're talking about and i can't remember but you know who i'm talking about (laughs) Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's um I know who you're talking about. I just so, can't but he it. like and and because Desmond experienced it himself, right? Yes. So he's walking in and this person that's like, oh, you want to talk to her? Well, this is what's going on with her. And he thinks that like she thinks that he's gonna be all shocked about it, but he walks into the room, he knows exactly what's going on. Yeah, he's very aware mm-hmm. just by seeing Teresa and hearing what her sister has to say. Right. He knows what she's going through. Right. Um, but you're right. Desmond had a constant. So he was able to kind of stop it or control it at the very least. Maybe not control it, but reel it in. Makes me oh. think that Juliet and Sawyer were somehow each other's constant. I I wouldn't deny that. I, I think, I mean, and the constants that are traveling with each other. So it was easy. Yeah, um, but Charlotte was traveling with Daniel Faraday the whole time. And with well, Miles but, the whole time. But I also think, too, if I remember correctly, I think the same thing starts to happen to the other characters. I think we do see, like, nosebleeds happen from, like, Juliet and such. Like, the, it's about to happen to them, too. But um, 
John Locke accomplishes his goal in time and stops the island from jumping yeah. before it has an opportunity to happen. Okay. So maybe it's they just should... that Charlotte's Charlotte's um, Charlotte's downward spiral was just so much more memorable and it happened faster. And it, yeah. So, you know, they're like, like, like we've said, we have forgotten some places, some, We've forgotten some about, I have no words today. I'm just going to tell everybody I have zero words Fine. today. <laughs> well, I mean, and also let's, let's another thing not to forget too, is Charlotte has been to that Island before she right. grew up on that Island. So that could be a possible reason why her downfall happens faster than anybody else's. Mm-hmm. But, but in a technical sense, Daniel has also been to that Island before well, in a technical sense, yet. so so has uh, oh, so Sawyer Juliet, and Juliet. Sawyer. Yeah, and Miles. Miles was Miles was born on the island. That's true. Miles has technically been to that island three times. Yeah, <laughs> two of them in the same time. It's weird, but it happens. It's yeah. coming. Mm-hmm. It's coming. Um, you know, speaking of Miles too, and Miles and Daniel, like this is a. Obviously, the 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 present day time stuff is very Desmond heavy, but it's this is a very Daniel heavy episode at the same time. Well, because they're each other's constants. I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's very. Oh, shoot. I'm so sorry I interrupted you. No, no, no. They're not each other's constants. As we talked about last episode, Desmond is Daniel's constant, but Penny was Desmond's. constant. And we have all of them together, like kind of. And then we learn that. Penny and Daniel are related. Their brother. Well, we haven't learned it yet, but we. Oh, we. we oh, I'm it. sorry, because we learned that Charles Widmore is funding Dar- Daniel Faraday's research, but not because that's his son. Well, I think he knows that Daniel is his son. W- right, but we don't learn that in this episode is what I'm we, saying. Yeah. We, so, we only learn about his funding of the research. Yeah. This is, yeah. This, okay. is the, this is the spoiler territory. We were warning you about in the beginning is that we have met Daniel's parents in this episode. Yeah. Um, in the form of his, you know, when I say parents, I mean, mother and father. Yep. Charles Whitmore is Daniel's father and Ellie, AKA Eloise Hawkins is Daniel's mother. I just think that there's something very beautiful about da- about Desmond being Daniel's constant and Penny being Desmond's constant and Penny and Daniel being related. There's just I love that so much. <laughs> and it's an and it's another you know when you talk about the loose connect and not loose connections but you talk about the connections between these characters this is another set of siblings who had no idea they were related because Jack and Claire are brother and sister and didn't mm-hmm. realize it until later, you know, also connected to not one, well, not Charles Whitmore, um, Jack, uh, um, uh, um, Claire Kristen Shepherd, Christian oh, Shepherd. Yeah. 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 Was Kristen was Shepherd and Charles Whitmore. Yeah. So, but you know, um, you know, talking about miles and Daniel, when it comes to this Island, there's that one scene where they're they're walking and Miles gets the 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 instinct and he says we he tells Daniel like we just walked over fresh graves that you know and you know Daniel says how long and he's like maybe a month but 
the thing that threw me from that scene too was when Daniel says to Miles, like, well, did any of them say what year it is? Daniel knows Miles has this ability. Have we learned that yet at this point? Or is this a new revelation? That no, I we learned we had the Miles, we had the Miles episode. We had the the three of them with their backstory. No, no, and- no, no, not Miles' ability. The fact that Daniel knows it. Uh, I don't know. That's what I don't remember. I don't know if if we it's ever been revealed that Daniel knows Miles's ability. Well, they're both so weird and eccentric that they have to have like the we're the weirdos of the boat meetings or something. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but maybe I mean, yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe they just they kind of told each other in confidence. Yeah, or maybe everything is so weird at this point you know, with jumping through time that, you know, when Miles says we just walked over fresh bodies, you know, not only a month old, Daniel just kind of took it in stride and been like, hey, did any of them mention of him what year it is? He is probably the most open minded person in the series. That's why I love his character. So uh, much. He's I, Daniel Faraday is one of my absolute favorite characters. He's just and for anybody that hasn't seen Justified, you have to see Justified to see Jeremy Davies in Justified because he plays such a different character <laughs> that it's like it's remarkable his talent. Like you just you have to you have to see Justified because if if you're a Lost fan, you're like yes, Jeremy Davies is here. And then by the end of like the first couple episodes, you're like oh, I hate you so much. I wish you would die. Like it's so strange. <laughs> he, I mean, he's another one of those characters too that like anytime he pops up, it's more in particular because of Lost because I wasn't too aware of him until I watched Lost. Mm-hmm. But then going back and rewatching stuff. And seeing him pop up, like when he pops up in Twister, he's one of the scientists in Twister. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, he's in Saving Private Ryan. Oh, he is. Um, and then he was also, I got excited as somebody who watched all the CW Arrowverse shows. Um, when the Arrowverse did their massive four-part crossover of Crisis on Infinite Earths, he he came, He was cast as Dr. John Deegan, who's the man responsible for everything happening. So when he popped up as John Deegan, I was like, Yes, I'm like Jeremy Davies. Like I'm in. He's Don't great. Don't even need to know. He's great. He's so, great. Yeah, I, I love him. Um, I still need to watch Justified. But Justified came after Lost, though, didn't it? Yeah. Okay. All right. So. Yes, you do. Uh, you need to watch Justified. Everybody well, in the world needs to watch Justified. I I need to watch Justified. I need to watch Deadwood. Um, you need to watch Justified before Deadwood. Is Garrett Dillahunt in Justified? Garrett Dillahunt is in both. I know he's in Deadwood. He is in Justified. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, then that's enough for me to watch both. He's the reason I wanted to watch Deadwood. But now that I know he's in Justified, because I loved him with the Oliphant, too. So I, I will watch. I will watch. We, well, that, that'll, come, that'll come with uh, recommendations. I almost gave my recommendation early. <laughs> Okay, so I want to talk about Richard for a second. Okay. So, like I said earlier, I did a little bit of research into Richard just to, like, refresh my memory on Richard. And um, so I'm not going to give too many spoilers about that because we're going to learn about him in the coming episodes. And I... 
I love Richard. He's another one of my top, top characters. But okay, so Richard meets Locke in this past that we're you're in. going, and I'm so excited you're going this way. Go ahead. <laughs> and he told Locke, or Locke told Richard that he was their leader, right? And so, okay, that's great. You're you're the leader. And Richard's like, well, I don't understand why, like, I don't know you. How, how do you know this? Why do you have this compass? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. So then it, you know, and it goes and they go away eventually, right? Okay. Could this be this meeting that Richard told? So this is like going to be one of those brand is brand is brand is brand moments. So hang on <laughs> one right. second. All right. Okay. So I started thinking about this. So Locke goes to Richard because Richard told Locke to go to Richard when the time shift happened again and give him the compass. Okay. So now Locke goes away because there's a time heist or a time shift or a time flip. And he has this locket and he's told, and he's told that this man is his leader. So then he learns that John Locke is born in 1952 or 56. Right. And he goes over there to see this leader that's supposed to be his leader because John Locke told him that he was their leader and he follows his life really closely and he comes and he visits. Okay. And then, so Richard's real mad that, that this little kid doesn't know what items belong to him. Mm-hmm. Because of Locke's visit, right? And he leaves and he's like, oh, he's not ready, blah, blah, blah. Then John Locke eventually does come and everybody's super excited John Locke's here because Richard has told everybody that their leader is eventually going to come in 50 years and his name is going to be John Locke. And But John Locke has no idea what they're talking about because that hasn't happened yet until Richard says, well, you're our leader. And he's like, I'm your leader. And so John Locke was never really supposed to be the leader. It was just like this weird cycle that happened. It's it is a it is a circle loop that Richard and John have been in for years. Yeah, uh, it, it literally you're right. It's. John Locke, um, you know, Richard finds John tells John, you have to tell me, yeah. you have to give me this compass to convince me then that meeting happens and in that meeting john has to convince richard yeah to go to him yeah you know in the past or in the future rather yeah. because it, it's 1954 he, he's born in 56 so you figure it's probably maybe 1960 that he goes to visit john because he's maybe four maybe four or five or if not older yeah, I'd say like, he's like six or six, maybe between five and seven. So, okay, so maybe like 61, 62, Richard goes to visit John, and which is a flashback. I thought about this same exact thing watching this episode when he tells him, okay, I'm born in 1956. I'm like, son of a bitch. That's the meaning when Richard goes to see John as a yeah. kid. That's why he does it. Yep. It wasn't too recruit john it's because john himself told him right he needed to go find him and the only reason why john did that was because richard told him to do that yep. when the island was skipping and so i'm just sitting there and i'm like so like john was always misdirection and this could have all been over a lot easier <laughs> if everybody just let hurley do his thing <laughs> <laughs> well because i i I don't think that's the fault of John or Richard. I think Richard truly believed that John was meant to be the leader. Because Richard truly convinced John that he was supposed to be the leader. Yeah. 
But nobody really realized that Hurley was the true leader. I think they just didn't realize that Hurley was the true leader. yet. It's just so interesting because Ben and John are such a huge distraction of what the ultimate end of this story is supposed to be because Ben and John are so convincing in their supposed roles that they think that they're supposed to play. Well, but I also think too, that, you know, in the long run and the long term of the series, I, we, we mentioned this before, there's a scene later on next season where we see Jacob and the men in black playing a game of chess. Yeah. And that's literally what this entire show has been. Yeah. Is it's been an entire, it's been a game of chess where all of these people are the pawns and John Locke, Richard Alpert and Ben Linus are all just pawns in this game to protect the king, which is Hurley. Yeah. Jacob, I think Jacob knew all along that Hurley was going to be the leader, but in order to protect the leader, you have to have pieces in place to sacrifice. That's chess. And that's exactly who these people were. I watched The Queen's Gambit. That's chess. <laughs> John, John Locke was was a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Ben Linus was a sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Her, not well, not Hurley. Um, you know, Jack. Every one of these people was a sacrificial piece. Yeah, to get to the end game, which was yeah. Hurley. What? A, what? Just such a great story. It, it really is just such a great story. But um, it, it was just so funny because I said, okay, I just I need to get a handle on Richard first. Because it's been a long time since I've done like that whole like, okay, I'm going to go to Lossopedia. I'm going to go to Richard's page and I'm just going to like sit there for a while and deep dive into it. Right. So I did that. And then I got to kind of like meditate on the episode for a little bit. I don't know if you ever do that. Like, I'll just sit down and I'll just like think about the episode. (laughs) You know, actually, believe it or not, this is the first week I did that. Like, usually I'll watch the episode and then I'll do a little bit of some deep dives. Like, mm-hmm. if I notice literary references, I'll do deep dives on literary yeah. references, um, dates and things like that. I'll do some deep dives and then I'll rewatch the episode again with the new knowledge that I learned mm-hmm. to kind of get a deeper analysis on the episode. This is the first time that, like, I watched this episode and I'm like, okay, there's no literary references. There's no real dates other than the year that John was born and the year that they're in. Yeah, I really don't have much to deep dive on, so I'm just going to rewatch the episode again and not really realize it. So mm-hmm. I, this is one of the first times I actually did just watch it and let the episode sink. Like I yeah. didn't do any deep dive on this episode at all. I just felt like I really needed a refresher on Richard, and I'm glad that I did it because because it, it just kind of all seems to come into focus a little bit more once you understand Richard and Locke's dynamic and how it applies not only to this episode, but really to this season. Yeah. But yeah, those, or the last I mean, two seasons they're they're just two characters that are, they're in their own loop of a story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one step happens because of the previous one. Then the other step happens because of the previous one. And it just constantly rotations until eventually it gets back to, it, it comes fully around again to Richard telling Jack or to Richard telling John, you have to find me and give me this compass. And then it just starts all over again. All over again. Well, and you can think, you can even say that about, because I think that, you know, Locke and Richard are somehow each other's constant. I've said that before. Um, 
And I think that when you look at Desmond and Daniel Faraday, you can say the same about those two being stuck in a loop because Daniel Faraday is telling people to bury the bomb and the bomb ends up being something that they need to protect um, with the energy, which Desmond does for as long as he does by pushing the button. Wait, is the is the bomb the reason for the hatch? Because it exploded and it then the energy and they had to get the energy to be. I thought that was island energy, though. I didn't think quelled. that was. I didn't know that was the bomb energy. Isn't that where the incident happened? Was where no. the hatches? The incident happens at the hatch, but the hatch hasn't been. Well, yeah, it hasn't been built yet then. Right. But the incident was because of the bomb. I thought that was island energy that caused the incident. Because the bomb exploded or because the, there was a problem oh, with the bomb. That's right. That's what Juliet explodes. Right. So is the is the bomb. You're right. Because it was buried. And then who protected that with the button was Desmond. Well, but I think. I think they I think they dig up the bomb. So that they can blow up the hatch. You're right. This is another circle that we're in. We'll get so, there. I mean, when we get there, we'll talk about it more because right now we're talking in memory. But yeah, I think so that right. that's another loop that's happening. It is. The hatch is built to contain the energy. Mm -hmm. The hatch explodes, um, which brings them. Well, no, they're already on the island, but I'm trying to see how it's a loop. When, I don't know. When we get to that episode, let's let's remember to talk about this. OK. Because as I'm seeing it now, as I'm seeing it as an arch, not a loop, but an arch that we came into the middle of, we didn't get the beginning parts of that arch yet. Well, let's let, let's put well, a wait. pin in it and see. Yeah. yeah, because this was um, because like this loop we discovered now. Right. Yes. So and we're in season this is, five. This is the episode that closes the circle. Right. And I mean, that first part of the circle was open last season when yeah. we saw Richard at John Locke's birth and all of us are like, huh? And yeah. then now like a season later, we, th we thought it was another arch that we were seeing an earlier part of. Right. And then this episode kind of says like, nope, we're just going to bring it right back to that. <laughs> we're gonna, it comes back around. <laughs> yep. Like, nope, it's actually a circle you've been yeah. looking at. It was just buried until now. You guys are idiots. <laughs> <laughs> just wait. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I don't know how much other stuff I have. We kind of covered a lot of it. I did um, like the fact that if you're an other, you speak Latin. Uh, yeah, it's it's like other 101. <laughs> yeah. It's the language <laughs> of the enlightened. Yes. Um, I loved, I mean, there's a couple other small little moments. Uh, you know, Desmond visiting Faraday's office and running into the guy who is not a janitor. Uh, I don't think we know who he is. Or maybe, or no. It's not revealed that he's not a janitor. It's just revealed that they're not fumigating. So maybe yeah. he is indeed just a maintenance man, but he's part of the cover up as to what happened or he's in the know of what happened. Um, you know, Charles Whitmore telling Richard, like, what do you think he knows this island better than I do? What do you think he's going to track us? And it just the next shot is John's just staring at the camp with a pair of binoculars. Like, yeah, he's absolutely going to track you. That's what John does. Yeah, right. Exactly. 
you know, Eloise Hawkins, we met. Well, Ellie, we don't know Hawkins yet. We just know of Ellie. Um, and then the really the, the last thing I want to mention is just w- one of my favorite moments from. From the episode is is when, uh, you know, Daniel tells Ellie, you know, like there's no in- this island is still here 50 years and 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 admits to her that they're from the future and then Juliet and Sawyer show up and she's like what are they from the future too and the just Sawyer like you told her <laughs> like i love that moment like if you needed any more convincing that they're not lying that's the moment right there cuz Sawyer is just like he's so earnest in his response like you told her <laughs> <laughs> I love it that Sawyer is on this journey with them. It makes it so much better. <laughs> yeah. And it seems like the the revert in Sawyer's character that we talked about before was temporary. Which yeah. is good. Well, he's got he's still I mean anybody that has survival instincts um and self-preservation for that long for that many years in times of stress you're going to go back to what you know best. Well, I think it also helps, too, that we had that moment that we talked about before with with him and Juliet, Mm -hmm. you know, where Juliet was kind of like calming the beast. Yeah. And I think it's now that he's with her after that moment, like he doesn't need to be that person anymore. Yeah. Juliet is what is the energy that he needs. I think Kate is too chaotic herself to be in Sawyer's life as far as what Sawyer needs in a partner. Oh, she's absolutely the best thing that ever happens to him. Oh, he knows. Or he and will know. He will know. Yeah. I mean, and I like, I honestly, we're so close. We're so close to that journey for the two of them. And I, I, I can't wait until we get to dive deeper into it. Me too. We're so close. We're, I think we're only like two or three episodes away. Yeah. 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 From the discovery of, of what they become. And I can't wait. Yes. Uh, how about you? Any other notes? Of no, I'm I, good. I think that covers it then. I mean, yeah. we talked we talked quite a bit about oh, this episode. We uh, talked a lot about Night's Tale. <laughs> we did. We we talked a little bit about Night's Tale, which was fine. Feel free to edit some of it. <laughs> no, you know me. I don't ever edit this stuff out. <laughs> no. I've gotten comments from people like on Facebook of listeners uh, of uh people who love our kind of derailed banter. Like they think oh. it, it it brings like realism to the episode and like a sense of earnest and like honesty to it. And I'm like, oh, good. Cause we're well, I think stop. that more than anything, you can tell that you and I are genuine friends. Yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't mind it, but I, I don't, I prefer when a podcast doesn't sound overly produced and professional. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there has to be a sense of realism to it. Yeah. Um, I like getting the sense that if there's two people on a podcast or three people on a podcast, they genuinely get along. You know, they really do enjoy what they're talking about. They're not just doing it for the sake of getting their voices heard. Yeah. We and you know. and you can tell when people genuinely like each other, and you can also tell when there's tension. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've been in those situations before. It's it's for oh god, I know it's exactly what situation you're talking about. Um, but it's for that reason that I don't edit anything out of these podcasts. Um, the only time I'll ever take anything out is like, if for some reason we have to stop, um, you know, like something with a pet 
or your kids or something. It's usually on my side. Because <laughs> my cats are passed out in the in the background right now. Um, yeah. But yeah, but that brings us to the feedback section of feedback. the podcast. Uh, in which we, of course, have feedback from our friends, Des and Steve. Uh, but we encourage all of our listeners to leave us feedback. There are multiple ways you can do that. First, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited. We are on Twitter at lost. Lost. Oh, Lyst. gosh, Kristen. <laughs> we are on Twitter at lost revisit pod. And we're on Instagram at lost revisited pod. You can email us at lostrevisitedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to leave us a message like Steve does every week, you can record yourself and send it to our email address. Please do that because I like having a break from talking. <laughs> In order to just listen to vo listen to voicemails. Uh, and lastly, of course, if you are enjoying the show, we encourage you to leave us uh, a review, whether it be on Apple Podcasts or any platform that you're listening to the the show allows you to do uh we enjoy the reviews and uh yeah that's that so uh let's start with des so that you can get that out of the way of your reading and then we'll we'll play steve so you get a little bit of a break <laughs> so that sounds good to me there you go here we go <laughs> emails you got it okay <laughs> <laughs> Card. Sorry. You got it. <laughs> um, okay. This is from Des Combs. Hey guys, work is kicking my butt and I'm exhausted. So I'm going to keep it short. Love this episode. More time travel. Love it. Des, Penny, and curly headed Charlie. Love it. Juliet being snarky in two languages. Love, love, love it. I do have two theories about why the trip back didn't need Aaron. Oh, good. First, I was thinking that between Richard, Ben, and Eloise, they had a good idea about who went back in time to the Dharma Initiative and somehow knew that they had to be sent there. The only hole I see is that Sun had to come back, but she didn't go back in time. The other theory is that they had to go back because Jacob is still considered Oh, because Jacob still considered them candidates to take over. He wanted everyone possible to be there, and that would include Sun. Aaron was never a candidate, so he didn't have to go back. One more thing. No more Harry Carey impressions. You almost <laughs> caused me to drive off the road. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> Hope to get to talk to you guys live soon. <laughs> Sent for my iPhone. Des is the greatest. <laughs> He knows you read that now, so he's putting extra comments in there. That's I forgot awesome. that we did Harry Carey. <laughs> That's, he, told me, he told me about that, and he's like, Jesus. He's like, no more Harry Carey impressions. I'm like, why? He's like, because I was laughing so hard, I almost drove off the damn road. <laughs> I was like, all right, as long as it wasn't a bad reason. <laughs> That's why my friends always call him whiskers. Ugh. The moon was made of cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. <laughs> so, so we were, we were, this is another quick story before I place these voicemail. We were playing this trivia game online and one of the categories is, is sound and music. And when you click on the category, it plays this short video clip with like some sounds to it to set up the theme. And the, the category, that video for that started with somebody going, Hey, <laughs> it's just 
for like the rest of the game, like once that video clip came up, everybody was like, hey, like, <laughs> we, we, were, we were all doing it every time. <laughs> it became like the regular that every time somebody picks out the music, when that hey came up, that hey. <laughs> oh, man. It was ridiculous. I don't even know. I don't even remember what drove us into Harry Carey impressions in that episode. Oh, who knows? I don't remember. Oh, God. Uh, but that leads us to our feedback from my buddy Steve. So let's play that. Hey, Ben and Kristen. I'm watching Jughead for the first time. And uh, not for nothing, it has nothing to do with the podcast, but it's the night that the message thread was blown up about the meetup. And I was watching messages, watching the beginning of the show. And then that Claymore blew up and I stopped and went, okay, now I got to pay attention to what's going on. <laughs> All right. All right. Starting the second watch. It just occurs to me that if... This beginning of the, of the show is the day Charlie is born. That means when, by the time he goes to Oxford, uh, he's like, looks like he's like two or whatever. So uh, they got busy quick. I'm going to admit something here, and I hope it doesn't lose my people lose respect for me. I literally, until just this moment, never realized that Great Britain is actually separated from Europe by water. I thought it was connected. I thought Ireland and Scotland were the only islands. I didn't realize that Great Britain actually is an island. I, I'm an idiot. How is this at the creek a specific location? A creek is a creek. But Jeremy Davies is so good. I mean, that line, just delivering that line, the woman sitting next to me, I'm in love with her, is just perfect. Richard's always been here. How old is he? Old. That look between Juliet and Sawyer just now when he said, do you want to stay with me? Do you want to go with him to crazy town or stay with me and rescue the geek? That look, that's where it started, I think. I mean, it, it may have started earlier, but there was definitely a spark there. Uh, another great season five episode. Really want to go to the next episode, but I'm going to wait. All right. Uh, talk to you later. That has been Master of Geography, Steve Brown, everyone. Yes. If you need to know more about creeks, please email him at steveknowscreeks at gmail.com. Steve needs a podcast called Steve Knows Creeks. Where he only talks about Dawson's Creek. Oh, my God. <laughs> Dawson's Creek and Shit's Creek. Yes. Oh, what a crossover. That's all the episode. That's all they're about. Just rolls the dice. <laughs> see which show it's going to be every week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, God, we love you, Steve. Seriously. Thanks for the feedback, as, yes. as always. And you're right. Jeremy Davies is just, God, he's so good. <clears throat> Watch Justified. I will. <laughs> uh, but on that note, you know, that brings us to recommendations for the week. Um, we got a few. I'm just going to throw mine out there now so you can get the yours. I didn't yeah. really have anything, but now uh, A Knight's Tale. If yeah. you have not seen that movie, watch A Knight's Tale. It is. It's wonderful. It's so good. So but what about I have you? A, what? I have a book and two shows. So okay. this uh, and nobody can see it, but you can see it. But <laughs> it's called it. Parable of the Sower. And it's by Octavia E. Butler. If you don't know who she is, um, I am just kind of getting to know her as an author. This is horrifyingly engaging. Um, it's it's 
set in this uh, in this world where climate change has basically just devastated the world. And um, there it's set in uh, Los Angeles or outside of Los Angeles, where this uh, girl and her family live in like a cul-de-sac that is surrounded by walls. And there are people out there that are all drugged out, starving, homeless. Um, and I, I can't, I can't, um, one of the things says that, um, oh, there was something that was so great, uh, brilliant, endlessly rich pairs well with 1984 or the handmaid's tale. So oh. if you like that kind of genre, uh, which I do, um, it's, so good. And it takes a little bit to get into. I think that there's a lot of, um, it's told from the point of kind of her journal, she's a writer. And so it can take a while to kind of get the story going, but once you're in it, um, I mean, I'm flying through the pages now. It's fantastic. So that's my book recommendation, but I've got two shows for you. Number one is season four of Fargo. If you haven't watched it, it's with Chris Rock, Timothy Oliphant's in it. Um, I love Timothy Oliphant. Jason Schwartzman is in it. A couple other actors that are like character actors that you would know. It is so good. And it's one of those shows where like all this random stuff is happening. And then in the last like three episodes, it all comes together and clicks together. So it's like, you kind of have to trust the process of, of the season, but Chris rock. Okay. I've seen him in movies. All right. I've seen him in dogma. I've seen, I've seen him act. He is brilliant. I had no idea he was this caliber of an actor. Um, he plays an incredibly layered character who I just, uh, I, I was so impressed by him. I was so impressed by him. Um, and you know, Timothy Oliphant plays a U.S. Marshal. <laughs> it's a fitting character for him. See, you, I got confused for a second. You said Timothy Oliphant, and I went Timothy Olmanson. Like, I, for some reason, I thought Timothy Olmanson, oh, no. which is why, which is why I said I love Timmy Almonds because that's his. They, people call him Timmy Almonds. Yeah. Um, and then I was going to make another recommendation from a show that Timothy Olmanson is in, not Timothy Oliphant, but so I'll skip it. So Fargo is an anthology uh, series, so you can watch a season and you don't have to watch other seasons. And we just skipped over to season four because we heard it was really good. Their very first episode has a 21 minute opener before you even see the credits. Really? It's awesome. I th- I think I don't know if it was that season or not. I'm looking it up right now, actually. Um, but Bruce Campbell has been in two episodes. Oh, no, there's season two. Okay. okay. So he wasn't uh, Bruce Campbell, a.k.a. Allah from uh, Ash versus Evil Dead yeah. and Evil Dead, uh, actually played Ronald Reagan in two episodes of Fargo. Well, I season two. I can highly recommend season four. We skipped right to it because we it was either are we going to rewatch Justified? Or are we going to find something with Timothy Oliphant in it? So we chose Fargo because we had never seen it before. The second uh, the second show recommendation that I have and I I've never look other than this podcast and it's because it's fun. I have not wanted to podcast uh, since Game of Thrones. I just haven't. Uh-oh. You found another show you might want to podcast on. 
no, like, I feel like I need to podcast on it. It, I am addicted to this show. It's shadow and bone. Okay. I, it is on my list to watch it is because I saw the trailer and I so good. It is so good. Like I don't, I don't stay up late. I, I have to get up in the morning. I got to get the kids out. I got to So I am in bed by 1030 every night. That's just what I do. I don't want to go to bed. I want to watch the whole thing. Like the first time we watched the first episode and I looked at Dave and I was like, if we didn't have responsibilities, we would burn <laughs> through this right now. We would not sleep all night. We watched two episodes a night and I wanted to watch a third. And my husband's like, if you don't go to bed right now, you're going to hate yourself in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and it's only eight. Ep- the first season's only eight episodes. It's only eight episodes. And it's yeah. so good. It is <laughs> so good. I love it so much. The costumes are great. The story is great. The characters are great. Like, oh, I love this show so much i i so there are two shows on netflix i i want to watch shadow and bone is one of them um i actually just watched the other night and it's fun Not i don't know if it's fun enough to make it a recommendation but i watched the history of swear words yeah um which is only six episodes they're 20 minutes a piece you can knock out the entire series in two hours um but the other series I wanted to watch, and it's hosted by Nicolas Cage, which is just fun. I love um, him, especially since he doesn't swear in his movies. <laughs> yep. What are you talking about? Yes, he does. Not very often. Oh, yes, he does. <laughs> in some of the earlier movies. Well, actually, he swears in this a lot. It's um, kind of like Bob Saget swearing after seeing him in Full House for many years. You know what? You're right. Because he even says, like, even in The Rock, he says, how in Zeus's butthole. Yeah. I'm telling you, my husband and I have figured it out. We're like, he never swears. That's it's a so weird. Record. Weird. In Face Off, he says "bitch," but that's not like that's not that big. No, you're kind of. Oh my god, you're right. I know. Cage does not swear a lot in his movies, which I find hilarious. Where he's doing a show on swear words. <laughs> that's probably why he did it. Probably. <laughs> that's probably why they got him to do it. Didn't even pick up on that. That's amazing. Um, Shadow and Bone is one. The moment I saw the trailer, I'm like, I never read the books, but I want to watch this series. Um, the other one I still want to watch is Cursed, which is basically like I watched the trailer and I'm like, like, I, I think that this, it's about like a girl who brandishes a sword and, and such. And I'm like, that sword looks a lot like Excalibur. And that's basically what this story is. Oh, I it's love the, that. It's the prequel. To the it's the origin story of the lady in the lake. Well, then I'm gonna have to watch that. Yeah, but let's so, not let's not get away here, okay? From Shadow and Bone, because okay. we need I need everybody to watch it because I need more seasons, okay? And Netflix is not one to just make new seasons of stuff, and I need this to be the next like big Game of Thrones like series because. I I can't even rewatch Game of Thrones anymore without being angry. I I feel like I need this for my soul. So if you care about me at all, please watch this show so that it can at least get better ratings so that your friendly podcast host Kristen can can be sane because <laughs> I love this show so much. Um so but before we wrap things up too, I know we still have a little bit of time before we have to make any kind of uh decision i know i know shadow on book um <laughs> but uh i feel like 
I feel like we kind of have to detour away from Once Upon a Time as the next series that we do. Okay. And I feel like we should maybe do Fringe. I've instead. never seen it. I know. And I think that's a good reason why we should do it. Because you want to do I'm, Shadow and Bone? <laughs> <laughs> by the time we're done this, and it, it would only be eight episodes of a podcast. Oh my gosh, I so love we could do and that and then do something else. Um but I think so. The reason why, like, I, I do want to watch Once Upon a Time and I don't mind podcasting on it. But when you compare shows like Lost to Once Upon a Time, there's not exactly deep dives of Once Upon a Time. It's a very surface show. Yeah. Um, you know, so there's not much analyzing and everything. But Fringe is also it's another J.J. Abrams show. Um, uh, Henry Ian Cusick is in it. Um, Lance Reddick is in it. There's some familiar faces, and it's it's another one of those shows that you kind of dive deeper into, like Joshua what is, Jackson. What is happening? Joshua Jackson, Anna Torev, like it's Joshua Jackson was my childhood crush. Oh, then you would love this show. I wanted to watch it, but it looked scary. It's it's not it's not scary. It's 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 X Files ish. X Files is scary. Uh, <laughs> So, I mean, we got time. We still have another season and a half of Lost to get through before we yeah. make any kind of decision. I mean, we have to watch Shadow and Bone before that. <laughs> I, I, I will watch it because I do want to watch it. It's real good. So, it's on my list. Uh, but I think that is going to wrap it up for this episode of the podcast. Next week's episode, I should have this up and I, I don't. It is up oh, The Little Prince. The Little Prince. It's a Kate episode. Okay. So, yep. So, next episode, we will talk about season five, episode four, The Little Prince, as you mentioned, the Kate flashback episode. Any final notes or things to bring up before we, we head out? Nope. Me neither. Uh, so, with that being said, thank you, as always, for listening, being a part of this. We encourage your feedback, uh, whether it be things we missed, things you want to talk about, sharing stories about watching the series. But until next time, see you guys further on down that rabbit hole. Take care. Bye, Shadow and Bone. We have to go back, Kate. We have to go back. <laughs>